Good morning. Welcome to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Jay Thomas. With me, like always, Rick and Jill Van Dyvendijk. Good morning, guys. Good morning. morning. All right. Glad to be back in the saddle here, all of us together again to start the new year off. I know uh, I wasn't around for our first show of the new year last weekend, but uh, you guys held down the fort. Rick's becoming a pro. There you go. It's 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 okay when I got two people here. Then I my eyes don't my head doesn't have to swivel like an owl, you know, like so much with all these computers. Exactly. With a team of three, it works pretty good. Yep. So welcome to twenty twenty four, and welcome to Garden Talk. And thanks for spending your Sunday morning with us. It's uh it's interesting because this is sort of the first where we are. I know other parts of the province certainly have gotten some snow over the the start of the winter, right? Yep. yep. Uh, you know, up in the north for sure. Some down in the south. Some down in the south earlier on, although a lot of that has melted. Yep. But this now we are are faced with some snow coverage throughout most of the province, or a good majority I think of it. You were Regina last weekend, weren't you? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was yeah. snow there. It's weird because there's places that there's snow, there's yep. snow in a few spots, and yep. then there's other places nothing. It's just okay. wide open and brown. And then I talked to friends who were up at uh, Candle Lake over the holiday season, and mm-hmm. they said there was just enough snow they could get their sleds out. Yeah, so. barely, barely enough. enough. Barely enough. Yeah. But we saw some this week, in fact, just this past few days. Yep. And so we've got finally a little bit of snow I coverage took, in place. I took my shovel around and I scooped shovel snow on top of all my, you know, my mini roses and stuff like that. My more tender perennials. I went and mm-hmm. threw little snow banks, my hydrangeas. I threw some snow on top of them a little bit more. So Yeah, that first shovel of my driveway definitely was used to cover a lot of my perennials. Yep. And it was good. I think I got like all of my daylilies, my heucras, my hostas, all of those got covered with kind of my snow. And I, I even went around my, uh, my sidewalk in my backyard, which I usually don't clear all of that in the wintertime. But this year I cleared it just because I wanted that extra snow just to throw on those, those, uh, those beds. And I have a couple raised beds in my backyard and it's really important to get that extra insulation right now. Yep. Yeah. Because we're expecting some colder temperatures coming up. Yeah. yeah. By minus 26, minus and then into the thirties, yeah. minus thirties starting well, Wednesday. You- and like just the the week before I was cleaning up some of my perennials and you know my daylilies had new growth on them already this fall from it being so warm so I think my that was, hostas did too yeah, yeah so that that's one of the reasons why covering them right now because it's almost like they have to reshut down again yeah. and with us getting down to almost like minus 20 minus 30 this week um, at nighttime I think is what well, no, it's, it says right, right now, it's forecast, according to Environment Canada, minus 35 oh on Friday night yeah. in Saskatoon, minus 33 the same time yeah. in Regina. Now, that's five days or six and days and out. There's not much snow. But, you need to cover those, those tender, yeah. per, especially the tender perennials. Otherwise, you'll be replacing perennials in the and spring. And that's one of the reasons why I like having like mulch or cedar mulch in my yard, yep. because then I can, if it, it is a year like this year, I can just add some more mulch and then in the spring just spread it out and it adds for extra weed control as well. Yep. It's, it, and, it, and if you've got things that are already in beds with mulch around them, yep. mm-hmm. that's going to help things too, right? Mm-hmm. It right? definitely is because to keep the weeds down, you need about two to four inches of mulch. To, yeah, down. At, le- at least, yeah. Two to three Three inches, inches is a good a good to and so keep the majority of the weeds down. That's definitely going to help. Yep. And even especially if you just sort of take it and rake yep. it towards and, the plant in the in And the fall. just remember that, you know, that mulch can't be piled up three inches on the stems of the plants, right? You go, when you get to right to the plant, you go down. So when you mulch your plants right now, to protect them in the spring you gotta you gotta level, pull it away you gotta from pull the it plant. away from the plant right mm-hmm. right this is also when we talk about this is the good time to, to when we say save all of your your you know sort of compost leaves things like that in in white bags yep um so that, know, raked up so that you can use them on a year like this this is the year this is yeah. the kind of time when we're and talking the, about and, there, and who knows next year might be another one where you know this 
I think it's El Nino, right? That we're El Nino right El now. Nino? I think I think so. Yeah, I think it's El Nino. So, which is you know the where the currents in the ocean make the ocean warmer, and so then you get this type of years where you get mixed Just, up, mixed up stuff. That's right. Yeah, and right? and they go in trends. They come and yep. go, right? Come but, and go. And but then, this is one of those years. So. And, we, and who knows, in the next couple of weeks, we can get a big snowstorm and have all our snow back. <laughs> we could. So, so what, else, what, else, what else does it mean for our yards? Like- um, well, a few things. Uh, with this, this deep freeze, we've been, people have been pruning in their yards and been out like raking and everything like that. And uh, how cold is too cold to prune? I think that would be a question. Yeah, well, it, when it starts getting below minus 20, then I'd suggest you can, uh, especially some of the smaller shrubs, I'd rather not prune them. But uh, but otherwise it's 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 mainly too cold for you to get up there. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. Is totally. there a chance that if you prune when it's too cold, it might like split the, or shatter the the stems at all? Um, depending. I mean, the tree's been shutting down itself when it gets that cold. So I mean, but uh, one thing you can do is that you can can it, in some of the plants if there's sap running still in them, then you can also just on with the tips where you cut. Right, you're basically opening a wound. You just get some more frost in there, and then you get some dieback in the spring in those spots where you made the cut. Okay. Um, but you can always make a new cut if, if that ever happens. And um, so it's not. I mean, you'll see the 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 tree big tree pruners. I mean, that are trimming elm trees. Not they have to go all winter, right? That's because right. Because yeah. they they can't get around to an elm tree once every seven years. That they're trying to prune a tree every seven years in in the cities and towns. They. It, if they stop in the wintertime, they, they'll never get it done, right? Yeah, that's right. So it's impossible. So so the other thing that I'm seeing around the yard is that there's more birds than ever that I've seen this this time of year, just because it's been so warm, so they yep. haven't really gone away. So I think that's another important thing that we should remember is like we have to put some water out for the birds too, mm-hmm. and uh, and also have it, put some food out. There's lots of bird bath heaters and those kind of things yeah. that are out there now that you can put in a bird bath to keep the water open so that the birds can have water to drink and uh and also yeah putting putting the food out there and finding out something we should probably bring in we should bring somebody in from the sas nature society and talk about what type of food because i know sunflowers is a big one for a lot of the birds that stick around here right now one thing also to remember is like if you start feeding those birds like don't just go out there and be like oh i'm going to feed the birds that would be nice it's one of those things once you feed them you should probably continually do that throughout the entire winter season so it's like you've almost adopted some pets yep yeah, and and it's that food, that energy from the food that actually keeps them warm enough to make mm-hmm. it through the winter, exactly. right? Especially yeah. with cold temperatures especially the coming cold, up. Especially the cold snaps. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 1-877-332-8255. A couple of great ways to join the conversation today. You can give us a call at that phone number, or you can text us as well. Maybe there's something that didn't go quite right with your yard this past year. What we want to actually talk about for a lot of our rest of our, our show today is... Uh, kind of a, a look back at 2023, some of the trends we saw, what we're looking forward to in the 2024 year. But if you say, mm, had something not go right with the garden, plants, shrubs, trees, the lawn, flowers, yep. any of that stuff, give us a call, join the conversation, and we can get you some answers and maybe get things straightened out for this coming year, at least help you get in the right direction for, for some of that stuff. So give it, give us a call with that. We had a great comment that come in, came in from the text line at one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five said, a heated dog dish works really great as an yep. affordable item, as a uh, you know bird bath, yep. keeping the water going, right? Yep. Because those are also really available too, and not the, specifically for birds, but they do the same job. Those you get at pet stores, you can get them at PB Mart, you can get them all kinds of places. You can get That's those heated, right. heated uh, pet uh, 
pet, pet dishes. dishes. Yep. Keep it warm. That keeps yep. the, the frost away, keeps it yep. from freezing over. That's and a also, great idea. also in the farm, farm communities, there's lots of, you know, trough heaters and that kind of stuff for cattle and all that kind of stuff as well. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So, mm-hmm. so we wanted to take the next few segments, uh, of course, to answer your questions and calls if you so choose. Give us a call, give us a text. But we wanted to talk about 2023, kind of look uh, back at the year in review and, and looking at some of the trends. So I, who better to talk about it than the people who work in the garden centers themselves, like Jill and Rick. So what did you guys see? What was what were some of the trends? Well, there's a few things that I saw for trends and not necessarily here just in Saskatchewan, mm-hmm. but like all across North America that drove those trends too. So a couple of things that we were seeing is like, you saw a lot of little, like growing your own bouquets came up. So growing your own bouquets. Growing your own bouquets. So people were little like farm pop-ups on the side of the highway or you see these little acreages pop up and you can go there and people have grown their own bouquets in their yards. You can go like little, buy a little bouquet from a, from a farmer or from, from somewhere like that or just throwing some more wildflowers into your yard and having some cosmos and some zinnias and some, um, chrysanthemums available for you just to pick right out of your yard. So that became a really big thing. The other thing that came back is we're, we're finding that this new generation is almost like repeating past generations. You're seeing that in TV shows, even that people are watching, like Friends is coming back and you're seeing all these old shows that we watched when, when I was a kid mm-hmm. and now my kids are watching them. And so we're seeing that also in gardening too. We're seeing like the comeback of, uh, the, the marigold and, uh, people are putting marigolds back into pot which we haven't seen for years. Really? We've seen those more like as companion plants, but um, new colors coming out, the zinnias um, being used as pollinators. Uh, lavender was like a huge, huge plant. We haven't seen that for years and we've sort of seen that become more of a trend. Um, begonias, uh, the colors and the sizes of those blooms and the leaves on begonias have become like a huge, huge trend in gardening and like even geraniums coming back again. You know, I, I watched a video that kind of relates to this and I don't know if it was on Facebook or where I saw it, but it was an, it was an interesting concept and it was somebody uh, a psychologist talking a little bit about how you know for the for a lot of people who are in that range of of buying a house having a family doing this gardening thing they're they're the millennial generation people mm-hmm. kind of me and Jill's age right yep. okay sorry but, dad <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they they described that generation interesting uh, interestingly as very nostalgic as in longing for and striving for things that they either experienced as kids or even things they didn't experience but they they you know, you see evidence of, as in sort of the lifestyle that existed throughout the the fifties and sixties and seventies and things like that, right? So marigolds or or wildflowers and and the the gardening thing, right? For yeah. a long time, when we were young, when when Jill and I were say. You know, teens, a lot of families were just covering up gardens in the backyard, making it grass again. Nobody was doing gardening. Very Not, yeah. not a lot of people. Yep. But that's kind of reversed. So it's, it's kind of reversed. And yeah. it went from like the baby boomer generation and not necessarily being the the biggest gardener gardening generation right, right. to another generation almost like looking to their grandparents and being like I want to get this going again right so it's that nostalgia that nostalgia of that's their, like of their coming back yeah. because we missed it and then now I'm seeing another generation like my kids mm-hmm. um, who are in high school and I'm just seeing like they're listening to the same music that I listened to when I was in high school and I'm seeing them like my daughter her favorite one of her favorite gifts for Christmas was a pink princess philodendron like she was so excited <laughs> exactly, about yeah, that she was very excited about that. And, uh, <laughs> and like the, these, uh, they're, they're on TikTok and they're like some of the TikTok marketing for gardening is huge right now. Right. And so it's just really neat how this gardening industry has 
it's always been like a very big hobby industry, but it's now being passed down through this nostalgia, nostalgic, um, like these feelings in, in people and these kids getting back to their roots and that food security thing and like wanting to know where things come from. And, or and even, then even planting a plant with a purpose. Like we're seeing, we're seeing an uptick, huge uptick in the last couple of years, especially even this last year on people buying Saskatoons, buying gooseberries, buying currants, you know, buying berries, has caps. And so rather than just having a shrub in the yard, having a shrub that actually you can actually pick some fruit off of. Mm -hmm. And so we're seeing a lot of that. And we're also seeing, saw the trends also in people buying a lot more things like, like the ladybugs and the, 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 beneficial pr- the praying mantises, all those kind of things that, you know, the buying, getting the, the leaf cutter bees, right? Right, right? To pollinate. And if you think about it, that's really how gardening really would have been for, uh, say, the, the generation that they think they're described as the gener- greatest generation ever lived, but the generation before the baby boomers, that would have been how they would have gardened, right? Especially in Saskatchewan, you would have had in the economic times they lived through, not a lot of gardening for the sake of, uh, uh, aesthetics, it would have been gardening for a purpose, like yep. you're talking yep. about, right? So that's interesting how that is coming full circle yep. back yeah. around with some of the younger generations. I even looked at like when we did the tree planting day with uh, Tree Canada. Yep. We were out in the Miwasan Valley planting some trees and just sort of right, right across right, the river from right here. Right across the river here. <laughs> and uh, planting some trees, looking at the age demographic of the people who are out there planting trees. Yeah, and that, that was if quite you something. would have been out there about 10 years ago, it would have been all like 55 to 65. Yep. Um, year old people and there was kids there there was teenagers there there was a yeah. lot of you like uh, early university age yeah, people I was, there I was digging quite holes. impressed with that yeah. wow okay yeah. cool um, there's people with abilities people with disabilities like it was just it was incredible the the scope of and people. how many people showed up it didn't yeah. take us very long to plant there was a lot like, there was probably 400 plants we put in and it just took us like an hour an hour (laughs) yeah like it was over it was was over fast but like it it was it's just it's really exciting to see how gardening is becoming a trend not necessarily just in our industry but it's a trend across our society and how it's just growing and uh that's a really really yeah exciting that's, thing that's very cool as a, as a general thing yeah. yeah the other thing that i'm noticing is yes we do have like the farm type of gardening and a little bit more bigger scale gardening but if you look at the yards that we have um especially in the urban centers uh our yards are actually getting smaller and smaller certainly certainly in newer neighborhoods, in if, newer you, neighborhoods. if you can compare a home that was built in the in the 50s or 60s a big sprawling bungalow if, if you use saskatoon or regina as an mm-hmm. example yep. you can have you could have the size of lot that was sold then we would now typically have almost three to four houses on that same amount of property and, in in a new neighborhood and with that the type of trees you sell has totally changed as well we're right. seeing all these you know like parkland pillar birches which are narrow you're eight six feet wide and straight up we're seeing you know um the things like um the the flowering crabs you know like the purple spires or the midnight spire uh, ones that are narrow or the or the treasure red apple tree which is only like three feet wide and grows narrow and you pick apples off of it right so we're seeing those trends because of, again the smaller yards and people have space spots where they don't have that much room because they've got a sidewalk and a fence in their deck and so they're looking at all those type of new trends like that as well mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah so that's changing the trees and that sort of thing but we're also seeing probably like 
sort of the the farming aspect coming into the small small yards. Yeah, too, right? and you're seeing more raised beds. People are growing vertically more. So whether that is hanging baskets and letting things come down um, with your vegetable gardening, I'm seeing cucumbers. I'm seeing zucchini in containers and hanging baskets now, which you never really saw. Um, I grew all my pumpkins up the side of my fence, and they actually literally went up the side of my fence and then down the other side into the into the back alleyway and like like all of those eight ways are different ways that we can increase the space but still grow the same amount of stuff um using a lot of trellises using uh different wiring and netting to sort of uh, anchor things to to buildings um and just grow that way and and using your space wisely i've i had somebody who um, they edged their beds with potatoes because why did they do that? Well, because on the edge of their bed, so it was easy to get at them in the fall, but it also helped keep the weeds down because then they didn't have to, That's was, interesting. The, the plants were there. So just yeah. thinking of different, different places that you can, you can plant things with, a, with a purpose, like Rick was saying, yeah. and, uh, we're using these smaller spaces, but actually looking at these smaller spaces and being like, how can I get the most out of this small space too? So we got a couple minutes before our break here. What is a specific plant trend that we saw in 2023? What was the, what was a hot plant that just flew out of the garden center? Well, I think the biggest thing, I, I don't know if there's like one plant that I was like, this is the hot plant that, but we definitely saw like a rare plant um, trend happening oh, in 2023. Okay. Well, especially okay. in the house plants. In, in the house plant yeah. department. Yeah. So it would be things like your Thai constellation and there'd be, they're, they're plants that are, they're rare, they're very expensive and uh, you might sell uh, like a four inch plant might be about $70 and you look at it and you're like, I'm not going to bring very many of these in because they're never going to sell. But people, <laughs> people are excited to have something rare and unusual in their yard. So I yeah. think that that was that was something that we saw in 2023. And probably a reality of uh, so that's an outdoor plant. That's an indoor. Plant. That's an indoor plant. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, and so, hydrangeas because now because all the proven winners and those kind of companies because gardens. Think hydrangeas so was probably one of the outdoor probably. plants that was the top seller. There's so many different year. varieties now, mm-hmm. colors uh, and, and that we can actually make can grow, actually here. grow here. And just such an elegant. Um, yeah like timeless look that you can have in your yard, yeah. I think too. A couple of strange things, or I shouldn't say strange, normal for this time of year, but changes are coming. So we got some snow yeah. in some places. We're expecting into the minus 30s. mid thirties coming up yeah. at the end of this week. Can you imagine? It's almost so cold. It's not going to feel cold because you have to be so warm when you go outside. <laughs> so well, it's going to be a very, very much a first for us uh, this winter yes. season. So uh, be prepared and, and get out there and insulate those plants. Uh, we're going to go to the phone lines here. We're going to go to our text line in a second. But we got a couple patient callers. Thanks for waiting, guys. Right now, out to Watson to talk to Mike, who's out there. Hi there, Mike. How are you? Okay, very good. Thank you. Okay, um, I'm a new gardener, and uh, I'm forced into it because my wife can't do it anymore. But anyway, I have this nice small raspberry patch that produces good. I do give it a lot of watering, no fertilizer. Yep. But the last couple of years, those plants just kept growing. Some of them are. Uh, the tops are probably taller than I am, and I'm yep. five foot eight. Um, I want to prune them back, but I don't want to hurt the plants. So, yep. how much can I prune off the top, or, sh- or should I just let it le- le- leave yep. it leave it be? You could you could prune them back, basically what you what you want with those things. But I would suggest if they're if they're that tall, I'd prune them back in half, anyways. Okay. Oh, that much. And, and then also, what I would suggest you do is that if if you know what which which are the older canes. You remove the older canes completely. 
So, oh, yeah, I do that every fall. Yeah. yeah, good. Yeah, that's perfect. And so the other ones, if you want to trim them back in in, in you know a third to a half, that's not a problem. If okay. you if you don't want to if you don't want to put them back, question. I'm looking yeah. at my. I had um, a number or a few uh, geranium. Um, uh, plants in my uh, flower pot or flowers bed or whatever they call it in front of the house and it bloomed really nice. I picked out two of the best ones, transplanted them into pots, brought them in the house and after those blooms uh, did their thing uh, and quit blooming, I noticed that one pot only has one bloom coming up and the other one has nil. Now, uh, I remember you saying something about that they should rest. Yep. Is that Does that apply to geranium plants transplanted into pots and brought in the house? I keep them in the window so they're getting some sun. Yeah, I would trim them. If, if they're still tall, I'd trim them back. And I'd trim them back, oh... About a third. About at least a third. Okay. Oh, you mean... Uh, the, the, the green stuff. The green stuff. Back a third. Yep. And then the, actually the best way to, to reproduce your geranium plants is now what we do is you have what, what's called a mother plant. And so if you want new geraniums for the next year, um, your geranium, because you brought it inside, uh, it's, it's going to be a little bit lanky because of the lack of sunlight and it's not going to be the nicest plant. So you're going to prune it back so it gets bushier. Then that new growth that comes on it, you're going to take cuttings off of that. And those cuttings will root very quickly into some soil. And then those are going to be your new plants that are going to be nice and big for your next year. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That's 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 good to know. Okay, uh, you've answered my questions. Thank you very much. Thanks very much, Thanks Mike. Thanks for calling. Take care. Bye bye. You bet. Have a good one. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We're going to keep going with our calls here, and actually, we've got a uh, Paul who's in Saskatoon. Hi there, Paul. How are you? Hey guys, how are you? Pretty good. Hey, pretty good. You want to talk about the birds, right? And we're talking about yes, that with some I, of the water stuff. Yes, I do. I have a I have a dog dish. I I actually threw a brick in there. Yep. So the little birds can sit on the brick and also have a drink too. Yeah, that's, oh, that's, a, that's a great yeah, idea. Brick, rock, anything, something that they can, little stick, anything yeah, that they Yep. Something you can stand on. But, anyways, yep. I wanted to talk about um, making your own suet. Okay. Yep. Great, uh, great stuff. You know, a pound of lard, I think now, like it used to be like a dollar seventeen, and now it's like two forty seven. So. What I did, and I think with my age, I, I'm getting smarter here for some strange <laughs> That's good, yeah. <laughs> we can all learn from you then. Yeah, we could, I, I take my pound of lard, Yep. I, I melt it, and I also take, you know, two or three big scoops of peanut butter, put that in there, melt it all up and everything. And then I used to just put it outside, let it, let it set, and pull it out with my hands, and, you know, it was messy. Yep. I figured out... I pour it into a milk carton. Yep. And when it's all set up, I just cut the milk carton out, dump it into a, a onion sack. Well, that's a great tie, idea. Yep. Tie that up on a tree, and I'm telling you, they are all over it. Because I'm telling you, when it's minus 35, these animals, with without the proper food, they're going to freeze to death. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like all those birds love that kind of the, the suets and... And there's also little suet cages you can buy that you can also, so you can make your little milk containers, whatever size, would actually fit into one of those suet containers. And yeah, then you they're can, expensive though, Rick. Yeah, you well, know, there's, there's some birdhouses that come with them on. So if you're going to buy a, a bird feeder or something like that, some of them come yeah. with them attached to it. So it's a good way yeah. to make your own suet, just like yeah. you were saying. Yeah. And and uh, do you ever, Paul, put like seeds or, or nuts or sunflowers or anything else in there? Or is it just the, the, the energy and the, the fat? 
I just do the energy and the fat, yeah, okay. you know, like the things are like the food that I feed. It, it's expensive. It gets expensive. So I just I just give them the fat and that's they just love that. They I, love it. I actually saw a version of that, and they took their old wreath that was on their front door, so like their Christmas wreath, and they took it, and then they took uh, grapefruits, cut them in half, and ate the grapefruit out, and then filled it with suet, and then hung those on the wreath around, so it almost looked like this like fruit-decorated wreath, and then they hung that from a tree outside, yep. and uh, that was a great, yeah, so great addition, a place for the birds to sit, and, and they just kind of it, picked and, away at the suet. And also planning for your garden next year, plant some sunflowers, yeah. right? Yeah, so and now you, now you You'll get to, you have some of your own seed to feed the birds all winter long. There you go. Yeah. Well, thanks Perfect. for your, your call, Paul. I really appreciate it. That's a, that's a great idea and a great way to, to make it at home and make yes. it affordable and still enjoy feeding the birds and having them around for the winter. So Yeah. Thanks for your time, guys. You yeah. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Couple of great ideas. That's yep. fantastic. Yeah, and and like the, the the rock, the brick, whatever in in the dog dish yep. for them to sit on. You know, which is well in my as well. in my pond. I had a I had a piece of a of a log, right? And it was a longer one, and it's, it came from the bottom of the pond. It came out of the pond and then onto the side. And the little birds would always climb down the log because they could grab hold of it easy, right down to the water. Yeah. And so they could land on the log and everything else. They felt safe when they landed more in the middle of the pond than they did, you know. From the edge. From the edge. Predators and all that yep. sort of thing. Exactly. one 332 8255 Let's go to our text line. So we've actually got a few here to answer. This is from Karen and Darren, who are Carmen Corman Park. Hi there. We picked some fruit off of our kangaroo apple plants this fall mm-hmm. yep. and are drying them out. Do you have any advice on how to start them from seed? Thank you. Love your show. Yeah. Um, the kangaroo apple plant, for those that you don't know, are a very neat plant. It grows very quickly. And, and tall. They get tall. Well, our yard was big. About five feet tall yep. for each plant plant Um, but then you can collect the seeds just uh open up the fruit and just take the seeds out dry them and i actually just stored them in some put a paper towel into a a plastic bag and i just stored them that way and then when it came to planting them in the spring uh very simple just uh plant them only just slightly underneath the surface of the soil give them some water some sunlight and some bottom heat really helps and they'll start growing again i would wait probably till about march to plant those or else they're going to be quite large in your home the one key thing to remember the plastic bag is perforate the plastic bag Put some holes in it. Mm, okay. yeah, so the and humidity doesn't the build humidity up doesn't build up too much, and you get molding happening, right? Yeah. So, all right. Or you can even store them in an envelope. That works as well yeah. too. Going first is Ron, who's in Less Talk, who's on the phone with us right now. Hi there, Ron. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Happy New Year to you. Happy you, too. New Year. you too. Uh, yeah, we're talking 2003. I was going to bring up my fantastic crop of grasshoppers I had. But... <laughs> <laughs> Lucky you, drought and grasshoppers. Yeah, they go hand in hand. Yeah. No. I was thinking, would roll covers keep them off my plants, or would they just eat through roll covers? Uh, depending on how bad you have them. Uh, for oh. for uh, uh, lighter infestation, they would keep them off for sure. If okay. you have a, you know, if you have a, an army of them marching across, they eat everything. I mean, they just go through everything. But, but that uh, that um, garlic spray. Yep. Work the mosquito barrier. If you spray that onto onto your onto your row cover, yeah, that would work that really would work. well. All right, yep. right, okay. So that garlic will keep those bugs away. Yeah, they don't like that either. Nope. Okay, there you go. So. I, I had a lot, and I had every kind you could think of. So yeah, yeah I had quite a bit. I even heard some people who took the row cover and they like mixed up a garlic solution in like their blender, and they actually just soaked their row cover into the garlic solution first, and then spread it out, and uh, that really helped them as well. 
Maybe I'll try that. But I have a feeling that next year is going to be just as bad. Yeah. Depends when the eggs are to hatch. If yep. you get really crappy cold weather, poof, it wrecks them. It but, wrecks them, that's right. But uh, amazing, they could... They barely stick the rear end in the ground, and these eggs survive all winter. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. It's, they it's, must have antifreeze in those little babies. <laughs> <laughs> Something. <laughs> well, especially, you know, that might affect them a bit with not much snow cover. You know, they might, a lot of, you know, just like we might lose some plants, you might lose some bugs as well when this kind of weather. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll get lucky. and We had some cold, enough yep. cold enough temperatures to yep. kind of toast oh. them off, but we yep. never know. Hopefully. Okay, take care. Thanks, Thanks. a lot. Take Bye. care, Ron. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five to the text line right now. We're going to go to Corman Park. This is Ian's question. He says, "We live east of Saskatoon on an acreage with about five acres of mostly native trembling aspen. Yep. Sadly, throughout our entire subdivision, we're losing a lot of our trees. Yep. And I also see this uh, loss several miles in all direction. Yep. Any idea what the disease is, and is there anything we can do? It's number one is drought. Oh, okay. That's, it's water. It's water. Number one is it's water. I mean, these plants they're they, they're they're so tight with so many plants they're competing all for the same moisture, and there's just not the root the moisture is down, water table is down lower, and so they're just they're just not having to bail. And those aspens, a lot of the aspens, and and not all aspens. There might even be some black poplars in there and that kind of stuff. Yep. And they don't they don't have they're not that strong of a plant. Aspens are more stronger. They they'll live longer. Uh, but like I said, when you have a whole grove of them, they're competing. So number one is that, and then also when the on top of that, once you start getting a drought, you bring the immunity, the resistance down, and then you get things like canker move into them, those kind of things. And once the canker, you get these big blotches in them, and then it rots into the trunk, and then they just break off in a big wind. Mm-hmm. And so you'll get that as well. Uh, so, but a lot of times, what will happen is that so when you get the rains again, uh, they'll come up from the root again, right? So the roots, a lot of times, are still alive. And they'll come back up from the roots. They will, they will go. Cause I know a lot of people that live in those type of acres, they get, you know, when the neighbors are burning a burning barrel or whatever, and the fire goes through the neighbor's yard and everything. And then everybody's all, I lost all my trees. But then a couple of years you watch, <laughs> poof, right. up they come again. Yeah. And so, um, uh, so, the, so if they, you do have a tree like that, who maybe is like, yeah. It, the wind has taken half of it down. Should you just cut it down to the ground again or leave it up a little bit? You could leave it up again. It's not that big of a deal. It's making sure a nice clean cut on it yeah, so you don't get the rot into them. Yeah. But I mean, what I suggest you do is uh, put some kind of a, if you have a, a well or whatever you have for water system, is just especially the ones in the close proximity of, of your home that you want to mm-hmm. you want to protect, give this every, once a month, put some water out there to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Put a sprinkler out there and give them a water. Even once per month, give them a good, let the water sit overnight and uh, and let it let it go or put a soaker hose through them you know or whatever and just once a month do that that's all they need let's go to our phone lines we're gonna go looks like we're going to bc right now like all the way over to bc a couple <laughs> provinces over maybe i think we've got trevor on the line hi there trevor how are you i'm very well are you in you in bc right now yes yes sir right on are you are you from saskatchewan originally or are you, are you just listening yes, to us sir. over there yeah big river right on right on right yep. on you wanted to ask or talk about a spider plant is that correct yes sir what's your My question statement yeah. is i had a spider plant in a house that all the heat cut cut off and there it froze but uh it uh a whole year after a year, I peeled all the all the dead off, and 
it was still green and it actually grew (laughs) after a year of freezing. That's a commitment to a plant to save it like that too. Good job. Well, I I suppose if if it went, you know, dormant, it basically, you know, lost all of its moisture and and kind of died back. It can sit there dormant for quite a long time. And if it was in a house... And there was no water, and and it was dry, right? Because it would even during the summer yep. months, it was dry, yep. right? Bone dry, bone dry, sitting there. It just stayed dormant, and then it had no problem going through the freezing temperatures, even though there was no yep. heat in the house. And, and spider plants get what they call air roots on them too, like especially the new growth ones. And so those air roots actually take a lot of the nutrients out of the air as well. So it's it's a plant that not only takes things out of soil and and yep. the moisture of the water, but it will actually take has the air roots, so it will take more humidity out of the air too. So that's that's one of those reasons why that might have survived for you as well so pretty fascinating story thank you all right i just wanted to share that yeah Yeah, that's That's awesome all right have a great day trevor take care that's very resilient don't give up exactly (laughs) and and i guess those plants don't either yeah Yeah. let's go to our text line this is from martha but we're going to squeeze a couple of these in before we got to go to our uh, our end of uh end of show here happy new year with a raised garden bed i've got uh, that hasn't been used for a few years now it's become very packed down what can i add to revive the soil so we can start planting veggies again do i add cedar mulch or more topsoil and it also has become uh very shaded with backyard neighboring trees that could be a problem so you can add some cedar mulch that would help break up because if they use straight topsoil in there and a raised bed straight topsoil will get hard yeah. okay so the other thing too is what are you wanting to grow because if you're wanting to grow more a root crop then you want to stay away from some of these manures and a lot of the the yeah. compost and high nutrient items yeah. and and do a little bit more um natural like topsoils and maybe or, a, a little bit of a triple mix or something like that a in there. compost yeah. but if you're doing more leafy vegetables then adding some sea soil or some compost and yep. into into your soil that way uh that will definitely break it up yep. along with the mulch now the, that's what to add the trick is if it's now very shady where this raised bed is because of new trees that have grown there, it's probably better before you start adding a bunch of stuff to move it, right? Yeah, you, Move it or change your crop. Or change so your crop. you're not going to be growing tomatoes and peppers and those types of things in that area, but you might be able to grow herbs and lettuce and um, some of those leafy vegetables. That are that will handle yeah. some more shade. Exactly. More shade. There you go. Yep. Last text of the show here. This is from Julie, who's in Battleford. We've got just one minute to go. Yard hit hard by voles last year. Traps only caught one. Did the cayenne per, uh, perimeter, but yep. now there's four inches of snow. Anything I can do to deal with the voles? Would stomping the snow down around the fruit trees help or damage the trees? Uh, no, that, that'll help a bit because fluffiness, they'll, be, they'll make tunnels underneath it. So actually, the best way to do it is get a tree guard. And yes. All your fruit tree trees. Wrap. Put tree wrap and put a tree wrap around the trunk, you know, up just above the snow level. So that'll keep the, the voles from getting at the trunk. That's probably the number one way, best so are way. Are they to do eating it. above the snow level or are they going underneath they're, they're the They're starting snow. from underneath and they work up their, up to the top of the snow level. All right. Okay. Th- thanks uh, for the, the text there, Julie. We got to run. So good luck with the tree wrap. But otherwise, we're back same time, same place next week, right, guys? Yep. yep. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next week. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. This has been Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM.